and welcome to the episode number 13 of Otra Por Favor. One more, please. My name is Richie. And this is David. How are you, Richie? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Um, I'm excited. We have a very uh, special guest this tonight. Yes, so. yes. She is the founder of a very good podcast um, that talks a little bit more about the background of immigration. And she has had many guests. Every Pretty much every episode includes a guest. And they all share their, you know, what has happened with them and how they live in America as either immigrants or first chance or second chance. Uh, without any further ado, we have in our studio. Vanessa Graves. Hola, everybody. Hola, hola, hola. How are you today, Vanessa? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's, um, you know, getting hot up here in Austin. So, uh, you know, trying to figure out ways to stay cool. Is it hot because of the weather or hot because of the sauce that we have with the pupusas? <laughs> I think it's both. It's probably hitting me both at the same time. <laughs> or the michelada. Or the michelada, yeah, that too. It can be a combination of everything. Yeah. Um, I just want to shout out to my mom. Hey, gracias, mami, por, por haber hecho las, las pupusas y están muy ricas. Las disfrutamos todos, eh? Yes, I had two. Me, me comí dos. <laughs> Yo me comí, creo que dos o tres. <laughs> Perdió cuenta el Richie, ma, pero está bien. Gracias. Es como, es como las cervezas después de seis, ya se me olvidan. Yeah. Después de seis son yeah. tres nada más. Son tres. <laughs> Cuando que llego a la casa, eh, ¿cuándo se tomaste el burro de mi esposa? Y, eh, me comí tres. <laughs> ¿Y por qué decir, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, Vanessa, can you share a little bit of your background and, you know, where you're, you know, or you were born in Austin or you came or you were born somewhere else and, you know, just share more about you so then our listeners can, listeners get, get to know you. Yeah. So I'm Vanessa. I was born in Austin, Texas or native Austinite. And I am the daughter, a uh, proud daughter of a, a Salvadorian mother and a Mexican father. So my mom and my dad immigrated to the United States around 1980. Um, during the time of, uh, you know, the 1980s, uh, during uh, El Salvador was having a civil war. So my mom came during that time. And my podcast is basically just the stories of our madres and their immigration story. So I felt there was a much needed space for the daughters and, you know, um, the, the, the children of immigrant parents to discuss how our parents got to the United States. Um, I think in these uh, hard political climates and a lot of discussions that are happening around the immigration topic, it was very important for us to start voicing um, you know, our stories and discuss these stories with each other because if we don't tell the stories ourselves, then somebody is going to do it wrong for us. So I felt it, it was my duty to, uh, you know, get together and try to find people that with similar stories like myself to see if we can go ahead and discuss these stories, talk about our mother's immigration stories, and then also discuss just our lives here in the United States, our struggles, our triumphs, and just everything that we bring to the table. So, you know, I started thinking that I wasn't just going to get anybody, uh, you know, wanting to talk about these stories. And I have had just such a, a fortunate you know, availability to be able to share a lot of these stories. People have reached out, people wanting to tell these stories, including you guys. And, you know, that that's going to be something that um, I will be doing, you know, sometime later in the coming months that they're going to be on the podcast. So I'm really looking forward to that. But you know, being able to just be able to hear everybody's stories and I'm learning, right? I'm learning from everybody else that 
how they came and everybody, how we thought that, you know, for the same, most part, we think that we're all different. Um, but in a sense, we're all kind of the same, you know, and we're all uh, also different at the same time. But, you know, it has given me the great opportunity to be able to just be able to talk to a lot of first gen people, immigrants, children of immigrants that, um, you know, to just kind of discuss these stories that are so much needed uh, to be told. How are, like from, from the podcast and all the, the guests that you have, because pretty much as a guest for every, every episode, how do you like get them to come to, to the, to the episode and, you know, have a discussion? What's the initial step or, you know, is it people that you know personally? Is it people that you've met in the past or is it someone like, Hey, you know what? You want to come over and, and, you know, let's have a chat. Yeah. And honestly, it started off with people that I knew. So I reached out to all my friends, uh, my two, uh, I think the first three episodes are people that I knew. I think it was actually four, uh, people that I knew. And then from that, uh, people started reaching out to me and started saying like, Hey, Hey, uh, I, I want to be on your podcast. I want to talk about my mother's story. And I have had such a pleasure of having that available to me that people have reached out and wanting to talk to me and tell me their mother's story. So yeah, for the most part, it started off as, you know, four people and I didn't know where I was going to go from there. I didn't know if anybody else were, was going to come on the bandwagon. That was going to be, <laughs> you know, just four episodes. That was going to be it. But, you know, I'm coming up here on my anniversary of my podcast here in August. And I've had the pleasure of just speaking to about, you know, 23 or 24 people and the list is growing and I have pending guests that um, are still, um, you know, on the list to, to come on. And I'm just so happy for that. Oof. I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever, you know, you have a list, like, did you cut people? Like, did you cut us in your list and then let other people, you know, stand I, by? I did not, no. <laughs> I just don't want to feel bad. Like, I don't want to be that type of person. Like, oh, you cut, you know. <laughs> no, everybody, everybody has a certain order. Nobody okay. gets priorities. Oh, Our stories okay. are all beautiful. <laughs> and uh, no, but for the most part, you know, we, uh, I have had uh, a lot of people even that I've recorded. I would think we were speaking off air that I've, I batch. So I have a lot of people that I recorded like one week straight. And then I know that here in a month or so I can go on vacation and still be able to, you know, put out some podcast episodes and it not interfere with my vacation and me trying to scramble so yeah hija de tu madre tell yes. us about that how did you come out with that name yeah so i mean a, a lot of us know i mean i'm including you guys you're probably called hijos de tu, ma de tu madre too but you know uh, the word they, they, well some my, my grandma added the extra word yeah, key, yeah. i can imagine <laughs> actually whenever we first i thought about it like oh and like oh, wait let me read this wait, right because yeah. I, I listen yeah. to a lot of comedy ones so yeah. my mind already thinks like yeah. that way and I was like, let me let me let me let me read that and again. I, and, yeah. I, and I heard it like it's actually oh it's actually about these pretty cool things that are going on <laughs> yeah no I mean hija de tu madre essentially means that you are the daughter of your mother but in uh, our culture it basically means that you are in trouble that you did something that your mother or father are not very happy with you about <laughs> and that is how they are basically warning you that you're in trouble and it started off as um, just a, I guess an ode to my mother because obviously I am the daughter of my mother but I am pretty rebellious in the idea of what I guess a Latina should be. Um, and, you know, I was very defiant in that. And uh, we always kind of had not fights, but just, um, you know, clashes of ideas of, of what my mother's term of what I should be and and that sort of stuff. But I've always found my mom's 
immigration story to be very different because I grew up knowing my story. My mother always made sure to tell me what she went through. Um, so it was very vivid in my mind at all times. So it was very important for me to tell her story, but I just didn't know how. Um, I, I wanted to say that I wanted to write a book, and but I just didn't know how to go about it. And then when the whole idea of podcasting and that um, opportunity kind of started getting into my head, I thought, oh, this is a great you know way to, to be able to tell my mother's story, not just mine, but I'm pretty sure that there's other stories like mine's out there. So it all started honestly from, I went to go pick up my, my daughter from my mom's house and my daughter was doing something bad. And, uh, she's like, Hija de tu madre. and my mom just like, my daughter just looked, looked at her and just, she just started laughing. Like, who are you? Right. Like, and I was like, me and my mom looked at each other. We're like, we're in trouble. And we just started laughing. And it was such a beautiful, crazy moment um, when that happened that I went home and I just started kind of brainstorming like what I wanted to do. So that's where the seed started just from the, the I guess, re- the relationship that uh, my mom and my daughter have and seeing myself um, in that uh, kind of triangle type thing. Man, that's good. It's, it's cool how you, you know, because of what your daughter said, got stuck <laughs> up and you're like, you thought about, maybe you thought about your past with your mom and it's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like I to do this. Yeah. I kind of saw myself and my daughter for a second. Right. right. And just seeing like, uh, uh, like it was like an outer body experience of sorts where my mom was talking to my daughter, but she was really talking to me like an essence of me. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> And that's cool. Uh, so back in the days, forever, like you know, you talking about like you used to get in trouble. Do you used to get in trouble a lot, or you're like pretty calm? No, I was pretty chill. Like my mom would tell me, I don't know what happened to me because now I am uh, pretty. She says that I'm bad, but I'm not. Um, but uh, for the most part, I was I was good. Like she never hit me. My brothers, on the other hand, like ellos eran cola de juda, so like Satan's tail, right? Yeah. Like they just did not <laughs> listen. Um, but um, and I could never understand like how people acted crazy why kids acted crazy and my daughter is like crazy so now i'm like whoa like i i'm basically getting a taste of the medicine that i didn't understand now i'm like okay they, it's just them yeah. it's funny that you say that because usually when when a daughter of of you right um it's it's the opposite of, of what you are it's because you were the same way right yeah. but in this case you say you were pretty chill yeah you know girl and now she's uh, she's not she's not and it's so funny because i tell my mom she's always complaining about my daughter and i tell her i was like she's you like whenever you leave us i'm gonna have you still here through my daughter right it's just like she is literally like an hija de tu madre she's my daughter but she is essentially the version of you i mean they're they get so mad at each other and i i can tell like they like kind of scream at each other and stuff like that but i'm like it's because you are the same person (laughs) that's good what about like say with your husband how you know is he like does your daughter resemble the way he is in some aspects yes she's they're both picky eaters so I think I've mentioned in my podcast that my husband is white and he does not like Mex- uh, like uh, pupusas. He doesn't like, uh, Ooh, uh, no. yeah, I know. No, I'm the same. Like, that's why whenever you guys brought the pupusas today, I'm like, oh my God, I never get to eat pupusas. But, um, you know, he doesn't like Salvadorian tamales. So whenever, um, you know, he like doesn't eat anything. So he doesn't eat salads, nothing. So my daughter is the exact same way and it drives me crazy. And I'm like, we're, we're having to go through this because of you, right? It's because like, we, I would be good. I eat everything. Um, but yeah, so it's sad. I think the picky eating. 
Yeah, my wife is, tells me I'm the same. Because I thought it was like I eat everything, but then like whenever, you know, I got married or there was some stuff that I'm like, like something like fermented, like curtido, I don't need it. Mm-hmm. And they have like fish sauce and it's fermented stuff. And I'm just like, no. And if, like in Vietnam, it's very like, oh man, you know, it's so good. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, but it has the aftertaste. Yeah. <laughs> the aftertaste. Yeah. But, um, so like, what do you, you know, when you go to school, you know, what, like, what was your major minor in or, you know, you have any certificates under your belt? Yeah. So I went to Texas State. So um, Eat them Up Bobcats. And I went ahead and um, I started off as mass comm. So I was actually, and it's funny enough that I am doing a podcast because I was in journalism when I was in high school. And I thought that I was going to then use that and go into journalism when I was in college. So I started off as mass comm. And I just quickly realized it was just a really like large, like, I guess, uh, um, program. Um, and I was, I didn't like it. Like the, 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 the classes were humongous. It was like 300 people in one class and it just wasn't my thing. I, I didn't like that setting. So I went ahead and switched to a history major. Um, I started, uh, you know, kind of learning about Mexican-American history at ACC, which is um, an awesome, awesome community college here in Austin. And I uh, went to, uh, I started off uh, learning uh, Mexican-American history and I just wanted to just learn more. So I decided to be a history major at Texas State and I graduated uh, with a history degree and minor in ethnic studies. Um, so, you know, funnily enough, I am doing a podcast where I wanted to be in journalism and mass comm. So I'm kind of using that. And in a sense, you know, still doing the podcasting with the historical um, type, you know, um, I guess idea where we're kind of creating these stories, but they're kind of historic in a way. Yeah, the one thing I like about your podcast is the intro music is so calm and chill, so you're ready for a ride. Where it's just more like, all right, let's get the beers out. Let's start dancing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, what's funny is that that song is actually called Everest, and I really like it just because it's, like, for me, whenever I heard the song and and I saw the name, it was just like, it's a culmination of just, like, the rising, right, of of our community and our stories. So um, it's definitely meaningful. Um, So that's just a kind of tidbit that... Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun fact is you're the third guest that's from Texas State. Oh, Texas awesome. State yeah, there's a lot of us. And, you know, I think that um, Texas State, when I was there, I, I was not um, a big fan of it. Um, there was a lot of white people there when I was there. And so then I uh, used to just book it back home, right? Because it was very, it was a very culture shock uh, when I was there. So then um, now I, I feel like there is a large Latino population and I'm so like excited for that. And I know that when I was leaving, I think that they were starting to just incorporate a lot of Latino studies in there. Uh, and I hope that that is thriving. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I'm so excited for, for the university and just all of the Latinos that are going there. It's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Um, what year did you graduate from? I Texas think State? it was 2009. Okay. Yeah. If I remember okay. correctly. I would, I mean, in my head, I would probably say 2019 because I always forget that <laughs> I'm as old as I am. And I think my husband a while back is like, I'm, you know, 21. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not. I haven't been 21 in a long time. And I don't know why I said that. Just, you know, just. I guess I thought I was 21. Hey, it's bueno, it's bueno sentirse joven de vez en cuando. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so. I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> good, that's good. Um, so, so pretty much you were born here, so you're the first generation American, you know. Um, how, how has that been for you? Because I know, like, say, my majority of Hispanics 
our parents moved here or we moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, and searching the American dream for a lot of people has just been uh, like a very up and down, you know, roller coaster. And sometimes it's up, but then it's down, 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 down. And then you have those little moments where you can go up a little bit and then you go down, 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 down. What How's it like been like for you as as a first gen here in America? Well, you know, I will say that, you know, I am privileged, right? Like that's, that's a, I think a lot, a big word that we as first generation people need to realize is that, you know, we are privileged in the sense that we were born here and we have a lot of the niceties that the uh, American dream offers for the most part, right? Um, that maybe a lot of immigrants don't get to have until later. Um, that includes, you know, our citizenship uh, being here in the United States. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I think that, Growing up, I was, you know, I, I spoke Spanish. I didn't speak Spanish probably until I was, you know, maybe in fourth grade that I started. Uh, I went to Allison Elementary, which is a school on the east side. I first went to Metz Elementary and then I went to Allison. And both of those schools are predominantly Latino uh, community. And I was in bilingual program. So I never had to like immerse myself in English right away. I was always just kind of, you know, able to speak both languages. I lost it. That was me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I was trying to like fix the volume here. And, um, you know, I, I started to, uh, just, you know, be able to just speak both languages. And it was, it was great until, you know, I then went into middle school and I saw that, there was other people, right? There was white people and there was like, it was just like a huge melting pot from my view because I I was just so immersed in the Latino community on the East side. Um, And I was very like taken aback. Uh, It was kind of like a small culture shock for me, but um, you know, trying to learn just all of those things that you don't get to learn, right? You, 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 you get away from the Tigres del Norte and los Temerarios and los Bukis, (laughs) right? And then you start learning about those new kids in the block and you're trying to figure out like who they are and who these bands are. And, you know, you're kind of stuck in the middle of like a limbo because you're trying to, you know, assimilate yourself um, into this culture. But then at the same time, uh, you know, for the most part, you're, you're back home and you're still speaking Spanish. You're still eating your same foods and you are still listening to the same music. Uh, so it, there's very like you step out of your home and you're like in a different world. Uh, so it was a lot of that. I was raised by a single mother uh, when I was started, when it was probably like 12 years old. So that had a lot to do also with a lot of the things that I went through. Whereas like, you know, I think that whenever people are raised with both parents in their lives, like they, maybe the parents uh, get to have uh, a lot of the, the things that they have to do. But for me, it was a lot of like, weight on my shoulders. Uh, so, I mean, it has made me into the person that I am right now. So I wouldn't, uh, take that away for the, for the world, but it was, it was, and it's, I think a lot of Latinos, uh, you know, kind of go through that, especially as immigrants, we always have to be the ones translating. We're always having to be the ones that try to help our parents, um, essentially, but you know, it was a lot of that. And for a kid, as young as you are during that time, it, it does become a lot, but you know, for the most part, I think, um, there was a lot of struggles, uh, but, uh, it, it was just, you know, something that I think a lot of us go through. Um, but you know, it was beautiful. So you went from pretty much, uh, all Hispanic to more diverse. And then that's what you feel like, okay, this is out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do you feel like that part maybe helped you, you know, 
more more of a uh, not a better version of you because I mean, mm -hmm. but expanded your horizons to to better like different ideas. Yes, absolutely, and I think that that was I mean that that was so eye opening for me, right? Because when I was in middle school, so um, for a lot of you that you know don't know this, but uh, we do have a busing system in Austin. So when I was at Allison and I was about to get into middle school, and since I lived on the east side, I had the choice of either going to Johnston or going to Crockett. And two of my friends that lived across the street who were Mexican-American, they their parents were going to send them to um, Crockett and Porter. So Porter was the middle school. Um, and I'm sorry, I either had the choice to go to Mendez or um, Porter uh, for middle school. And they were going to go to Porter. So I had to like make the choice. And, you know, I, as all immigrant uh, kids do, you know, we have to sign the permission slips because our parents have no idea what's going on. So my mom probably didn't even know that this letter got in the mail. Uh, I knew that my friends were going to go to this school. So I went ahead and checked the box and had my mom Signed sign it. and told yep. her that, you know, it was for school. And that was it. So, you know, I went to Porter and it was, it was, it was awesome. Just the opportunity of like, I guess, seeing some of the things that they got to have right because I mean let's let's face it there are differences in you know the the areas in which we live in especially here in Austin versus you know the east side uh, and the schools there so I feel that you know by going over to Porter and to Crockett I got some you know opportunities that maybe I, I wouldn't have gotten um, if if I would have gone to their schools not saying that the other schools were bad but I feel that you know for the most part it was uh, definitely different um, for me mm -hmm. that's good um The one thing that I, I, it's kind of like a little similar, like for myself, because when I was in sixth grade, that's when we moved to California. And then my elementary was pretty diverse. So it was, it was, I would say mainly Hispanic and then white. And then, and then there was like some black people, some, some Asian. And it was like, for me, it was, it was interesting because I've only seen like other races because in Mexico you only have like it's rare when you have mm -hmm. someone else not Mexican mm -hmm. and you get to school and you're like oh man like you see you think you're you're in a, in a movie yeah you're like oh man I'm sitting next to a black kid yeah. there's no Spanish but you know like we have we or here I don't know English so you know from there you try to communicate but that does help I mean as when you're you're younger that does help you develop in better communication skills with mm -hmm. someone that's not your 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 race yeah um and and that's good because you could have taken it in a way where like oh man i'm not with my people mm -hmm. i want to go to where my people are yeah and like in spanish they call it the in mexico they call it el maleja maicon mm -hmm. you know go back to your comfort zone yeah but the fact that you did that is, is one of those things that like okay It's gonna, it helps you because it gives you a different perspective of where you want to go. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Chipotle? Well, I, I feel the same way. Well, when I got here, you know, no English. And like you said, I was used to having somebody next to me that spoke Spanish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could communicate whatever I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I got here and I got here in middle school. And uh, all these kids were different, you know, and I just didn't know how to act. You know, I was really, I was really scared. Um I was young and um, I was looking for my comfort zone. I was looking for people that spoke Spanish. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like uh, sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone to become who you are. And right now, like I have friends from all over the, the, the world, you know, 
different uh, cultures, different uh, countries, and it's a good feeling, you know. And I feel like if I if I would have never if I would have kept going with my people, you know, with people that I I knew I could communicate and they had the same culture, uh, and um, it. it I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be who, who I am right now. And I wouldn't have that same confidence that I have of talking to anybody, you know, right. that I can find. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's interesting. Cause so if whenever you were first moved to the, you know, your new school where it was the more diverse, did you ever feel like people felt like you talk funny or your accent was funny or something that was like, Oh, she's not from here. You know, and I don't know if that was the case because like I said, like I, I was, you know, I started doing bilingual classes when I was young. So I don't know if I have an accent or if I don't, because I know that I've gotten told like, oh, wow, you don't sound Mexican, right? You don't have an accent. And, you know, some of those type of microaggressions, but, you know, it, I, I, I couldn't tell you if I had that. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that, I will note that, you know, that I will say is it was interesting to me because whenever I have another friend that's Salvadorian, mm-hmm. uh, Salvadorian, and uh, she actually went to, I think she went to Sunset Valley, which is predominantly white neighborhood here in Austin. And then I went to an all Latino community on the east side. So we went, we ended up going to the same middle school. And she saw when we spoke, because she was on my podcast, when we spoke, we had two different takes on, on our middle school. She saw a lot of Hispanic people. And I saw lots of white people mm-hmm. because I was not used to white people that I was like, whoa, there's more white people here. And for her, she wasn't used to Latinos. So she uh, was like, wow, this is like, there's so many Latinos here. And it was just so crazy how like where we originally came from uh, had, uh, we, we saw that school in a different light. And, you know, we were never really close friends there because of course I kind of went in and started hanging out with white people and I wanted to do the whole cheerleading thing. and. Yeah all the extracurricular activities. And then she kind of just went in and wanted to be with all the Latinos and just be intermingled. So we never really got a chance to really be friends. And then in high school, we went to the same high school, same thing, right? We were kind of doing our own things. And then now we're now going back to our roots. And this is where we've kind of created this friendship again. Um, but, you know, it's just interesting that even despite us, you know, having the same culture, what we gravitated to, based on you know our past experience or our community so yeah that's cool that's cool um so going to extracurricular activities and how you were trying to do a little more than just go to school and you know like kind of like how you said like i just passed by mm-hmm. uh when you started going and doing extracurricular activities did you from people that you know did you have like the like ¿Qué es eso? or why are you doing that or you know like where are you gonna be a cheerleader or why are you joining this club or playing this sport like how was it you know did you have that you know like asking you know like doubting from other people experience or yes absolutely and you know I had a really hard time with that because you know as a sense of you you know with um, the Latino community you want to be among your people and I had a really hard time because I wanted to do all the cheerleading things I love to read I, I love to you know go to the library and 
you know, get goosebump books. And I remember going to Walmart and wanting my mom to get me these books. And she just was always like, why do you, you know, have to do this? Why do you want to go to this scholastic book fair? Right. And I was just like, man, like what's wrong with me? Um, and the same thing happened with a lot of the, the kids there, at, you know, during middle school, all of my Latino friends would just be like, you're just trying to be white, right? You're just trying to be like them. And, and I'm like, I didn't know that doing these things, being a cheerleader and trying to do all these things were going to make me more white. Right. I was just trying to like do those things that I've never had an opportunity right, right. to do. Um, so it was, it was very difficult in that sense to, to hear that coming from, you know, your own, your own culture. That's cool. And that, that's, how, that's what I was going to say, too, because especially coming from a Salvadorian mom, like they see that uh, you're doing something that it's not that, that you have to do. You know, it's it's you're, you're copying somebody else. And that's why you want to do it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. But I'm pretty sure they probably don't mean it like that. But it's like. Why do you want to do that? You know, it's always a question. Yeah, that's not what we do, yeah. right? Like, we don't get into these things. We don't try to, like, yeah. It was very, very different. And I think that that's why I say that the, not the rebellious part of me, but it was just so innocent uh, a lot of the times. But it was in a sense that I was just trying to explore all of these things that were now opening to me. And then a, a, a lot of it had to do with my Mexican-American friends, right? Like, they were doing all these things. And I was tagging along and I was wanting to do what they were doing uh, too so you know it was quite different and it was definitely um something that i felt uh you know hurt me uh, a lot because of you know those people saying those things because i wasn't trying to be white i was just trying to to be myself and just trying to figure out who i was to do more yeah that's, that's kind of like yeah. the you can even see it like a, an american dream right um trying to do some things that you didn't have the chance you know somewhere else and doing it here it's just the American dream, you know, in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like, like say, like, like as as a Hispanic community, we have done a lot of good things, you know, when it comes to like immigration and when it comes to like hustling. But I feel like the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because we tend to be so divided. Like we're not really. If you look at, it's rare. Like maybe here in Austin, we're a little more, you know, like like say you know bonded together because everybody's trying to do something different so everybody's motivated what someone else is doing so a little more and and that comes to like it's a little more art based so of course it's a little more liberal when you think but when you go to other places it's like the communities are not together mm -hmm. like like say here it's easier for you to see a dominican like hey or a colombian like hey you know come over here and hang out And, you know, we'll eat arepas. And I've gone to places, like, say, for example, like, Galveston, we used to be, it could be, like, like say, the Mexican, you know, people, people will hang out. Several of the ones will hang out because they'll be friends. And maybe Honduras. But then the other, you know, the other countries, they'll kind of be left out. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things that, and now when it comes up to, like, mentality and how we think as a community, we're so divided. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not pulling together the way we should and that's why we have so many there's no like it's not even like one per one one country should be the leader but there's not the same voice and that over time has kind of harmed us mm -hmm. and you know like one example is what happened with the last administration mm -hmm. you know we have people that voted for this guy just because of their conservative views but then they didn't care about the other part like the immigration part that's super important for us mm -hmm. 
or even people that were immigrate immigrants, they're like, oh no, I want to vote for this guy because he's gonna protect my rights of belief. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, dude. So what do you, what do you think? Like, say as a as a community, like as, as a Hispanic community, whenever we we are so divided, what what do you what do you think we're doing wrong, or what do you think sh- we should be doing? I think one of the things that we understand is that we're not a monolith, right? Like we're not, um, it's just so hard to just say that we're all the same because we're not, we're all so different. And in a sense, we just kind of have to understand who we all are, right? Because, you know, one of the, the things that I also learned is, you know, whenever I was talking to one of the girls from, um, you know, Venezuela. And she was discussing that maybe her, you know, her mother was a Trump supporter and, you know, having that idea and understanding as to why they, they did that. Right. Because, uh, the fear of what happened in her country and the idea of socialism, and then her not understanding that, you know, these, these social agendas that obviously that administration was trying to push that is so far from the truth that they obviously don't understand, right. They don't understand that in a sense, like, I don't think that this country can be a socialist country. Um, but, you know, that fear that um, people instill in others uh, to push their agenda. And I just think that a lot of the times we definitely need to understand where people are coming from to be able to figure out, you know, what we're doing here. Um, and it's sometimes hard because, you know, uh, you know, it, it is hard to just try to not defend you know what they they're or try to defend why they were doing because i mean it was a shit show right and let's just be honest um i, I will not stand for any of that and regarding uh, regardless of you know why it was um why you think that that was okay. Um, there was just so many other things and elements that uh, were done during that time that were just unacceptable. But for the most part, I think as a community, we just need to understand that we need to be more supportive of each other. We need to be more supportive because if we are more supportive of each other, we'll be able to allow all of us to, you know, get to those places where we want to be. You know, uh, we always talk about, you know, uh, wanting to be at those tables. Well, you know, we have to allow ourselves to look back and see who is behind us, like us, and go ahead and grab their hand and try to, you know, bring them up with you, right? And be able to just do that for everybody, you know, among our community. Because sometimes I do feel like I don't want to generalize either, but I feel like a lot of the times we do try to, you know, shit on each other right or try to say no you can't do that or no you're being crazy right like my mother's saying like don't read or my friend saying like what are you doing right like that's not a good idea and it and instead saying like, okay, well, how can I help you? Right. Like, what do you need me to do to be able to, do you, do you need me to listen or do you need me? Right. Like, and it's just like, you know, and I always say George Lopez, I always thought that this was genius of him whenever he talked about that, you know, you always uh, around our communities, we always had, you know, the people that were always just hating on everything that we were doing. And we just, we just need to get past that and be able to embrace everybody's ideas so then we can go ahead and just create bigger things. Eso, eso es lo que, bueno, tuvimos a un invitado unos especiales atrás, un dominicano, que, que sentía lo mismo, ¿no? Como que nosotros como latinos, como hispanos, tenemos este 
esa, ese modo, ese modo de, de bajarnos, ¿no? De bajarnos el, el, el soporte, de, de, de hacernos sentir menos simplemente por, por envidia o, por, o porque no queremos ver a otras personas que estén haciendo mejor que uno. Yo creo que deberíamos cambiar esa, esa perspectiva de, 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 de cómo de cómo ponemos a la gente abajo, de cómo hacemos sentir a los demás. Yo creo que a veces un empujocito decir apoyar a alguien, eso es lo que, lo que en realidad debería de importar más a decir, ¿sabes qué? Eso no va a funcionar, ¿sabes qué? Eso no va así, ¿sabes qué? O sea, un empujo, no, perfecto, síguelo haciendo así y a lo mejor haces algo bien. Y, y yo creo que a lo mismo que se sentía igual porque decía, no sé por qué gente se siente bien cuando a alguien le esté yendo mal, especialmente en nuestra cultura, en nuestra, en, a nosotros como latinos, a veces nos sentimos bien porque a otra persona le fue mal y, y yo creo que esa, eso lo tenemos que sacar de, de, de cada uno para poder hacer algo más, algo diferente. Y así empieza el chisme, ¿verdad? Right? Sí, like, claro. Ese... Eh, eh, tenemos que mirar que cuando estamos hablando de algo que le beneficia a otra persona, uh -huh. nos tenemos que poder a pensar, o sea, ¿qué, ¿cómo me va a afectar a mí si es, estoy positivo uh, con el comentario que le hago a esa, a esa persona? persona. ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo me va a ayudar? Uh -huh. o cómo, eh, esto es nomás una perspectiva que nosotros tenemos que cambiar, porque sí es uh, muy importante que nosotros nos, que convivimos bien y que nos uh, hagamos aliados, porque hay muchas cosas que están pasando durante este tiempo y tenemos que, you know, uh, hacernos todos juntos porque si no lo hacemos nosotros nadie no los van a hacer para claro. nosotros sí y es como como ejemplos en general yo lo pongo como como en la parte de fútbol el equipo de Aston ahorita que hay jugadores que no se están acoplando bien y como Redding Red es un ejemplo sí pobre. o sea para, para para alguien venir de Paraguay para acá aunque le paguen lo que le paguen uh -huh. Si no está a gusto, si no está bien, en vez, como yo lo veo, le tiramos mucho a una persona, uh -huh. pero nunca le preguntamos. ¿Qué pasa? ¿Qué güey, hey, ¿qué traes? Uh -huh. como, sí, hey, compa, vamos a una, una cerveza a ver, platícanos qué traes. Siempre le tiramos como que, ay, ese vato viene a robar, o ese vato viene a, no está comprometido. A lo mejor, no sé, tal vez un problema que no no sabe. Como un ejemplo, hay un jugador que ayer este Dan Housen, uh -huh. no sabíamos que estaba lesionado y, y hasta apenas ayer dijeron que le reconstruyeron la cadera y va a ser fuera el resto de la temporada y, y es es, pero, es, pero empezamos a hablar mal sin saber, ¿no? Sin saber, ajá. Es, es como, como que nos hace, no sé hablar nos, mal de como la que cosa. nos mama sí, esa parte, sí, sí. Este, no, no, no podemos ser así, yo creo que tenemos que cambiar esa forma de, de ser y este, ser más positivo, porque en esa, si piensas, si lo piensas, esa forma es negativa de pensar, ¿me entiendes? Y si queremos seguir para adelante, para, para, para seguir con nuestro futuro, tenemos que cambiar eso para, para poder hacerlo. Si no, es una repetición, una repetición de una repetición de generación. Una, o sea, tus, lo van a hacer tus hijos, lo van a hacer, ¿me entiendes? Los hijos de tus hijos y, y nunca va a cambiar. Entonces, tiene que empezar de ti hoy, hoy, para poder. Porque tenemos amigos que lo hacen, ¿me entiendes? Y, sí. y, y tú no lo escuchamos y, y a veces no me siento bien y ya estoy lo otro, ¿no? Y entre nosotros, si nos tenemos que reír entre nosotros, pues es diferente cosa. Uh -huh. Pero por si ya cuando, cuando es más con un ejemplo, yo, yo lo veo como si yo veo con un amigo abre una taquería, no sé si estamos en los tacos o no, uh -huh. le voy a apoyar. Yeah. O sea, y es algo que, 
que tal vez la persona se va a sentir a gusto de que uno le está apoyando, que a lo mejor uno va a tener la confianza de decir, oye, ¿sabes qué? Métele aquí. O, uh -huh. o nos, va a preguntar, sí, nos va a preguntar el, el amigo, ¿qué, ¿qué piensas de los tacos? Y le va a decir, ¿sabes qué? Sabes que la carne tienes que cambiarla de fajita rachera y así ayuda mejor o, o no sé. Y, y, y eso y eso es orgánicamente cuando uno apoya. Primero tienes que apoyar antes de decir. Uh -huh. o sea, Exactamente. Uno... Y eso es lo, 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 lo más importante, ¿verdad? Y luego no nomás también eso, pero a, algunas cosas que de seguro no te cuestan. O sea, nomás ir y darle un, un like a, a la página, ¿verdad? Cosas fáciles que no te cuestan ni un centavo. Uh -huh. Y ese es el problema. Parece que nosotros siempre queremos... Um, mirar lo negativo que está pasando con las cosas en vez de mirar en cómo le podemos ayudar a esa persona y yo creo que si cambiamos ese modo de pensar entonces como dije Richie o sea sí vamos a hacer uh, cosas maravillosas y la cosa con parece que la cultura americana es que ellos tienen como un network verdad ellos se hablan y se ayudan y le, le, se hacen todo nosotros tenemos que crear ese network para que nosotros también nos podamos entre ayudar entre uh, nosotros y y ver qué es lo que podemos hacer para uno y otros. Y una de las cosas que yo también he visto, especialmente con hablando con muchas de las muchachas que he hablado, es que obviamente me siento confiable porque yo digo, wow, yo nunca he tenido esta amistad entre gente que sabe muchas de las cosas que yo he pasado, pero también nos hemos estado ayudando, ¿verdad? O sea, tú necesitas algo, ok, a ver, a ver si te puedo ayudar en conseguir para alguien con quien hables, ¿verdad? O viceversa, uh, pero es, es, es la cosa, o sea, no te cuesta nada de, de, de hacer, you know, un like. De, de, de conectar a alguien con otra persona. Sí, sí. No, no y muchas de nuestras madres han hecho eso, ¿verdad? Uh, cuando ellos ellas vinieron aquí, o sea, tuvieron que construir esa comunidad um, y ellas se, se conocen, you know, eligiendo tomates o el tomatillo, ¿verdad? Tratando de averiguar, pues, ¿dónde, cómo voy a llegar para allá? O, y, y todo eso. Y nosotros tenemos que hacer más uh, pa, pa, el esfuerzo de, de ayudarnos un poquito más en ese aspecto, yo creo. Yes, and I think we, we, we should, you know, like, encourage each other. Like, even if things don't go right, you know, like, if you don't like it, I mean, If you support, it's okay to give an input, constructive criticism. Um, but if you make it, don't forget about the people that are still trying to make it. Mm -hmm. Like, because I've seen it a lot in, in our people where we made it and we forget about the person, mm -hmm. you know, that's behind us is struggling. And, you know, like, that's why our, our class, like, system in, in you know, in Latin American countries or even Spain, it's super divided because we have people that are well off. Mm -hmm a very thin, you know, middle It's, class yeah, middle and middle. then the poverty level. Yeah. And that, and there's, and that it has started to get a bit better, but I mean, it's still so hard. So like for me, it's sad to, to, you know, to see like, I come from a, from, I have like 40 cousins on one side of my family and there's four or five that have made it and they're doing good, but they don't talk to the other, other mm -hmm. ones. Yeah. And it's kind of like, for me, when I look at it, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm calling them out, but I just feel like when I see it, it's kind of like every time I, like with my cousins, what I try to do is like, I just do a group message. I call them, mm -hmm. you know, at three in the morning, like, you know, Hey, who wants to drink <laughs> and talking and some answer and some not, but, but it's one of those things that like for, for me, I, cause I started feeling, I started being that at, that, at one point in time, I started being that person of mm -hmm. like, someone would do something good and I'd be like, Oh man, that guy thinks he's, you know, like when I used to play in bands, mm -hmm. sometimes I'd be like, Oh man. That guy thinks he's, he's good because he sings well, you know? 
and literally, or so he doesn't want to talk to anybody because he already got like you know asked to go sing at this bigger place and we were yeah. playing and and then it's one of those things that like i caught myself as i started getting older i'm like yeah i need to change my thinking yeah. like i need to be a little more supportive of people i'm sometimes i'll probably forget but for the most part like like we're usually like you know trying to you know, luckily, like the group of friends we have here, they're we're all like, you know, supporting each other and whatnot. But I've seen in other places where one person made it and he wants to be the leader of all of them and act like he's better than everybody. And it's yeah. one of those things that like, it shouldn't be like that. Like mm-hmm. we should all pull, like, yes, you're going to pull different weight, but at least that part of like, hey, there's a help if you need it. Yeah. Like, and it's genuine. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. And it's crazy because I feel like, well, for me, it's like helping somebody else. It feels really good, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know why other people doesn't feel the same way. Like even the m- most minimal thing that you do when you help somebody for me, like it, it feels really good. Or when somebody helps me, you know, it's like, Ooh, I got you next time. You know, that, uh, that feeling of knowing, Oh, he helped me last time. I'm going to help him out too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why we don't have that, thought you know of like oh let's just do something good for somebody you know it feels good it's good yeah. to do good yeah and even like say if we have hispanic people that are winning awards like where it's an oscar whether it's you know like canelo winning the you know being the best fighter right now instead of throwing so much shade at that person why not congratulate them i mean te cuesta más Felicitarlo que tirarle. I mean, because then you, you you throw shade at him, you're gonna be fighting with someone else. Once you know that's defending him. Yeah. But it just it just it just feels so like for me it's like whenever like Latin America like there's a reason why we haven't won the World Cup, and it's because of the way we think. I mean, also because of a lot of problems that you know federations like in soccer. But I just, I just feel like the one time we actually pull together like. That's going to be a difference because, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a one country, but there was another, like another people that didn't have to be there supporting that country, mm-hmm. like being behind them. And, you know, and the reason why I'm saying that is because a lot of times we want to support the big person. We always want to support, it's easy to support like the big companies or the big, big yeah. artists. But yeah. whenever someone's trying to come up and, you know, make it, we don't believe them. Yeah, we don't, we yeah. don't believe them. And, it should not be like that, you know? And I, I know that I, I think I've said it, um, somewhere else, but you know, and one of the girls, um, Tori from the Chicana, uh, podcast, uh, she's my podcast up in San Antonio, you know, she's a great advocate for, you know, all the Tejano females, uh, in the industry. And, um, you know, me and her were kind of having a conversation about how, you know, Selena uh, was just such a, an important part of our lives because she provided that representation for us that we needed at that time. And, you know, her passing was just such a blow to us because it was something that was so unfortunate to us because there goes our star, right? There goes the person that was going to guide us into the, she was about to, you know, cross over and make American music and she was going to be us, right? Essentially. And when she was, when she, you know, left, I mean, it was, it was so hard, but what happened there was, is that we also didn't allow anybody else to come in, right? We, it was Selena, it's still Selena, it will always be Selena, and we just won't let anybody else come in the middle of that. And she had a perfect example because I think recently, um, maybe at the Canelo fight, uh, Jennifer Pena, I think played the, um, the, um, uh, 
Pepe Aguilar's daughter. Yeah. yeah. No, not, that's uh, that's somebody else. It's uh, Jennifer Peña. She was a Tejano star. I think okay. she played. She sang the national anthem or something like that. And I could be wrong uh, where she played this, but. Uh, She's a beautiful singer. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up with her. She, uh, you know, sang right along with Selena. She sounds familiar. And she, she sounds so familiar. Yeah, you, you, you've, you've probably, heard of her. I've probably, probably heard of her. Seen her you yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, okay. And, you know, during that time, everybody started talking about how, you know, she got big and how she didn't, you know, she's a beautiful voice, right? And all that stuff. And we just shit on everybody, right? We want all the representation that uh, we want. But then at the same time, we're right there just talking crap. Um, what does that do for us? Like, what does that do for, for, for us when we have representation that we're looking for and then we're still going to complain about it? Um, so, you know, she did a great, um, you know, podcast on that when she, cause she doesn't want to, uh, you know, look at or watch the, the series. Uh, and I think I'm on the same boat because, you know, I just want Selena to, to rest in peace. Right. I, I, I loved her with all my heart. I mean, she, I was at her vigil when she passed away at, uh, you know, one of the Catholic churches here, um, in Austin, but, you know, I, I just want somebody else to come up and, and be that person that Selena was and give everybody else the opportunity that they rightfully deserve. Um, there's a lot of, uh, talented artists out there. And I think sometimes our mentality gets in the way of that. Yeah, I think like our goal, like in this podcast, and we and I have talked about it, is like we're gonna try to push as many people we can publicly, like use this platform. Like uh, Edwin from Galveston, his niece, she's a very like good singer, a very good singer, Alessandra. And like every time she posts something, like we want to reshare it, mm -hmm. like because. She has that, for me, is like she has the potential to be the next Selena. Mm -hmm. The way she can move, like, mm -hmm. perform in a stage. Yeah. But it's just more like whenever she gets to that level, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, where she has to deal with contracts and whatnot. Like, I'm hoping she she's managed by the right person, mm -hmm. you know, not managed by someone that wants to take care of, manage her and her, and her talent. Yeah. Because, like you said, it's like... Ever, ever since Selena, and that's true, like, ever since we have this one artist, like, even, I mean, I go back to soccer, like, every time we talk about, like, soccer, oh, no, no, like, we always have the one tío, like, nah, nah, que mis tiempos eran mejores. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why don't you support the young guys that are playing right now? Mm -hmm. They're probably playing different the way you are. Or, like, say, right now, technology helps us do things more simpler or better. And people are like, nah, 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 in my days, I used to do this. It's mm -hmm. like... Why not? Like, even it's hard for me sometimes. And like, why don't you just embrace the new, you know, the technology or the new changes that happen? Mm -hmm. So they, so that way, you know, we don't have so much negativity in our, in our culture, you know, like in, in the way we think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, I mean, there's so many incredible ladies out there coming up. I mean, not necessarily just in the music industry, but I, I'm a huge fan of America Ferrer. You know, I was, I watched her, you know, when she uh, came out with uh, the, uh, you know, all women have curves and she, I, I, I was, uh, you know, a huge fan of her ever since then. I've seen how she's just kind of, you know, grown from that and she's doing amazing things. She was advocating, you know, during the uh, voting and she was out there and just being an advocate for for um, getting the Latino vote out there. And, you know, she is, I think, directing uh, Hentified, uh, which is on Netflix and just doing all these amazing things. And I feel that there are so many people out there that uh, we need to give credit to. We need to amplify and that's voice we need to, um, you know, keep generating so we can go ahead and get that representation that, you know, we've been wanting that we scream about. But, um, you know, we're not... Um, 
we're still following and we're still watching all these other movies that have nothing to do with us, right? Um, you know, I, I know that I will say I have ever since I kind of just started this podcast, I I, de- I try to dedicate myself to just consuming as much Latino media as I can. I watch Hentified, you know, on my block, um, you know, everything that I possibly imagine um, buy from small businesses that are Latino owned um, just because, you know, there are so many talented people within our community that really just need to, to get out there and they're doing amazing things. And yeah, we just need to, to get that going. Yeah. And now, um, one, like say going to the other side, what do you feel like we have done right as a community? Uh, what do you, what do you see? You know what? We're doing this good. Or, you know, we, we've learned that we're, we're getting better at things. You know, and it's beautiful because we don't let our, our, um, things, I feel like, uh, I have been seen and obviously you have to really kind of look for it. If, if you're in that space where you're looking for around your, your for your Latino community, you're going to find it, right? If, and the algorithm and Instagram and Facebook and all of that kind of dictate a lot of that, right? So if I'm looking at things that have to do with Latinos, I'm going to find Latinos. I know that if I go on my favorites page and I like look at one Kim Kardashian thing, my whole feed is going to start yeah. p- piling up with Kim Kardashian. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I don't want to go into that. But I think one of the best best things that we're doing is, is that we're showcasing all of our products that our parents raised us up in. Um, you know, I'm seeing conchas and, uh, you know, people, you know, wanting to sell them and making them cookies and making sure that we are showcasing what our community is all about. Um, you know, I've seen pomadas and just wonderful ladies, you know, the, the, um, one of my friends from California, she, uh, at Incia Cookbook, she actually created a cookbook that is all recipes for um, Mexican and Salvadorian. So she is half Salvi and half Mexican like myself. And she has an immersion book that, um, you know, is doing that. And I just think that that is so amazing, right? I have a friend, uh, the What Dichos podcast, and her podcast is based on just dichos that we say in our community and what they mean to us. And, you know, we we haven't let go of our roots. We haven't uh, abandoned them because sometimes we do struggle with them. But we have, I feel like that we have, you know, reattached ourselves to them. And I, I love that. I, I'm doing it myself where I have found my community again and I am advocating for, for, for Latinos. So I think that we're doing a good job just, you know, making sure that our next generations are, you know, filled with all the conchas and the tamarindo and, you know, the pupusas mm-hmm. and everything uh, that makes us who we are. Right. One, 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 uh, I would say one good example in Austin is, uh, Gabby from Gabriela. Yes. She's like make like she's doing super good. <laughs> yeah. Like and and even like she's so supportive of the community that she even from from maybe an article is that she helped Revival Coffee come back to life yeah. like during COVID or or in that time. And that's because that was her favorite, you know, coffee shop. Yeah. And I was like, the fact that one of ours yeah. revived a very popular place. Yeah. yeah. That's so dope, you know? And, and she's changing the game for us. Like, I honestly yeah. think, like, I know that I talk about her a lot to my husband and my husband's like, you sound like you're obsessed with this woman. <laughs> and I was just like, it's not an obsession. It's a admiration. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an admiration that I have for her. She is just killing it out there. And I'm so proud of her. I don't know her personally, but I mean, I am just so proud for a Latina to, because we don't see a whole lot of that in Austin. You know, we, we, we do have a lot of us Latinos uh, in the area, but man, she's doing so good. She has 
these two restaurants, you know, one south and one, um, you know, uh, in Austin um, downtown of Gabriela's. But then she has a club, Mala Vida. Then she has Revival Coffee. She's, uh, you know, getting that um, other, um, uh, I think, uh, seafood and sushi place up north. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, Taco Que, uh, Taquero Mucho. Taquero Mucho. Uh, on yeah, six. Yeah. And, that, you know, Instagram. Yes, dude. Spot. I mean, I'm telling you, she's killing it. And, you know, we're all just so proud of her. And I hope that, you know, uh, from that, now that we have representation, there's going to be like a lot of us that are coming up and just doing what she's doing. She's representing our community so well, right? Because, right? I mean, I will be down to go down there and get some micheladas <laughs> with the fruta on top and some, oh, yeah. you know, uh, the... Um, the Japones, the pinta Japones. Dude, I was like, I haven't seen these the in forever, money. and do, doing it in such a beautiful way. Like, I'm just mind blown. Yeah, for sure. We're we're uh, we're <laughs> hoping to get her one here. We 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 got past the past the PR person, nice. so Good. but it's one of those things. Like, all right, dude. But I know she's been busy. Like, she just got an interview with Univision yesterday. Yes, yeah, and I know she's so. I'm like, yeah, take your time. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to rush that, we'll, you know. We'll be here. We'll, we'll be, be waiting. Here. Yeah. But it's one of those things like, like people like that, like seeing her, you know, mm-hmm. and then like another one that I see is the Elotes Fanny. Like mm-hmm. she has like two places, two, yeah. three places already. And yeah. people that, you get people from different backgrounds come and get some Elote. Yeah. You know, it's cool how we are portraying, like you said, more of our culture, like in Austin, especially mm-hmm. because people in Austin are embracing it from other cultures. Yeah. Like you, you go to like Asian places. Now they have mangonadas. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. this place called Chamango and it had the, the mangonada there. And it's cool because it always helps, you know, like our communities and, and it helps. Like I would say the more busier a place is, the better it is for the business, mm-hmm. the better it is for the community, especially when it's small and local. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, we, we like need to continue to push, you know, like you said, like continue to push our culture, like, you know, like be proud of, proud of it, mm-hmm. you know, be proud of the conchas, the choco meat, mm-hmm. everything that, that we're doing. Yeah. And, and we get a, we got a, a wonderful representation going on in Austin right now. You know, we got Leslie Rangel that is, you know, on uh, Fox News. And, you know, I know that I just started watching the news because of her, because I saw, you know, a, la, a fellow Latina like myself. And I'm just like, I'm going to watch that. Right. Like before I didn't even care. And uh, another one is, uh, you know, Vanessa Fuentes. I mean, she's uh, she's uh, just doing amazing things in, in the political realm. And, you know, it's just awesome to just see a lot of these, you know, women just just doing awesome things. And guess who just confirmed yesterday that's coming to our podcast? Really? Yes. That's dun, awesome. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Her, uh, her assistant, she's like, yes, she's down. So Yay, that's awesome. August 16th, she's going to be coming. Yay. But yeah, it's, and for us, it's one of those things that we want to do the same thing. Yeah. Like, we didn't just want to talk about soccer, but I'm like mm-hmm. trying to get, like, I know we haven't had, you know, like we've had African-Americans, we had an African here, and we've had... Uh, Indian, mm-hmm. we haven't had a white person. Eventually, we'll get a, we'll get a white person. We'll get. You want to talk to my people. husband? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get. We'll, we'll get we'll, there. Y'all can we'll try to convince there. him to watch FC. He needs to be like, this is your <laughs> argument. <laughs> so it'll be good. But like, and that's what we're trying to do. Is like, like for us, it's like you know, just encourage like, and many people that have a business, you know, that want to push it, like. We're right here. We're right here, and and you know, we just want to have not just their business, but share how the business was made. You know, how the idea of. Yeah. doing a brewery doing a you know a, a food truck anything and and yeah and I, I do I do think we're doing good as a community of re- like representation more and more yeah like, we can't we can't lose our roots you know we have to keep them we have to embrace them like you said um it's our culture it's who we are so 
don't be embarrassed to talk about things like that. Um, always be uh, orgulloso, no? Have that orgullo that, oh, yeah, yo vengo del Salvador. Like, I'm, I'm always saying, you know, I'm from El Salvador. Porque yo tengo el acento. I have the accent of a Mexican because people have told me before. Yeah. They're like, you sound like, you sound like Mexican, dude. You know how, and I'm like, yeah, well, I've been here you know, for so long that, you know, and most of my friends, because it's been really hard for me to find a Salvadorian guy yeah. here or somebody, you know, like you or yeah. you're half, right? Yeah. And, um, but I, it's, you know, I have family, of course. And, and that's the thing when I go and, and to, to their houses and I speak to them mm -hmm. and I have a friend that, that is with me, mm -hmm. they're like, hey man, like you're speaking so differently. Yeah. Like I can't even understand you. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this happens to me. Like when I, when I go to uh, a certain culture, I, I tend to like copy their accent and I'm, I'm so good at it that you know it just it just goes with it you know I just yeah. go with it and and then yeah I mean but like I said we have to embrace and keep our culture because that's that's who we are yeah and I know that even I'm even more farther removed from uh, my Salvi culture right because my mom married a Mexican so mm -hmm. then and, and then here in Austin I mean w w there's a lot of Mexican people I didn't meet my first Salvadorian until I was you know in middle school um And then even then, um, I never met a, a Salvadorian so, and a Mexican. Yeah. It wasn't until I started doing this podcast and I started speaking to ladies in California that they're like, I'm, I'm Salvi Mex, I'm Guatemala Mex. I'm like, what? Like, this is crazy to me. Um, and I was just so blown away by, by all that. And I, I know I was listening to a podcast just recently. It's called Cipotex Podcast and they're based out of Virginia. And they were speaking so like foreign <laughs> to me, right? Because I didn't understand. <laughs> I mean, I understand okay. the bichos and I understand yeah, yeah, all that yeah, stuff, yeah. but then they're starting to get into the caliche and I'm like, what is a caliche? <laughs> and I like call my mom. My mom doesn't know. And then I call, like I texted my uh, friend from California. I'm like, what is a caliche? She's like, it's slang for Spanish. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And they're just saying all these things, but like, it, it's just so funny how, you know, I, I, I say that I'm Salvadorian, but like for me, like that, that, is just so far away from me because I just never grew up with it here. Um, you know, and the pupusas and the tamales have always been in my life, but it, it wasn't, you know, like every day because my father had to have his meals, you know, his Mexican meals. So. Just Mexicanos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool. Like I grew up, uh, well, in, Gal in Galveston, I worked for a family, the Salvadorians, they had a used car dealership. Los Venturas and I ate pupusas almost every weekend. Mm. It's crazy. But they were like, they knew, they knew I didn't like curtidos. Yeah. So they always like have me like, hey, you know. Yeah, I know too now because yeah. uh, last time I, I think my sister wanted to give me, I was like, no, no, no curtido for him because he doesn't <laughs> like. Curtidos are the best. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like, what? Hey, man. Well, at least I eat the pupusa. Yeah, part, yeah, 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 like, yeah, and yeah. I go to town with it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they're, they're, it's so funny because they're like, hey, Rica, ¿quieres más pupusa? Or, they had a mariscada. Mm. They did that too. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, now the decisions as as Hispanics. Um, do you think we are taking advantage of this opportunities that we have in this country as immigrants or first gen? Um, how do you feel like we have capitalized on that aspect? 
I think we have because our our culture is still alive, right? Like you see it, uh, we're, we're starting to just see a, a lot of ourselves in the media, um, in all of these spaces. So I think that we are starting to take uh, more advantage of that. Um, I think that our parents, you know, had to be silent for, for a lot of the times because of their status here in the United States. And I think that we as first generation, as kids, uh, you know, to immigrant parents, we have learned their struggle. And I think that's the most beautiful part about it is that we've taken what they have created and made it for us to understand what this country provides. Um, and then we have taken that to the next level and advocating for them. So I definitely do think that we're doing a very good job of, um, you know, just amplifying uh, who we are, that we're here, that we're not going anywhere and that we are an asset to the United States. Um, and, you know, they're lucky to have us. I mean, we have so many things that we offer um, in the variety of things that, uh, you know, we do. We have been doing things that, American kids in the United States don't start doing until their 30s, right? We've been doing, you know, translation. We have been writing documents for uh, and reading since we were young. And I mean, I always say if we could write, you know, what we, that we are, you know, children to immigrant parents on our resumes, that should account for something because a lot of the skills that we had to get through when we were young, uh, a lot of people are barely starting to do now. Um, so I think that we're doing a great job. I think that we just need to keep promoting um, who we are, uh, keep pushing our narrative, keep speaking out uh, about what we're trying to do in this country and what the assets that we bring here. Um, and I think that, you know, we'll continue to just uh, make sure that you know, we, we amplify who we are. And obviously there's always going to be those people that don't take advantage of the opportunities that uh, this country offers. But, you know, unfortunately they're, uh, they're just going to end up in, in the situations that they get themselves into. Um, but for those people that truly see the value of what our parents have gone through uh, for, for, for them to be here um, are, are really going to, to do something. What do you think Chaparro? I, I mean, I, I feel like, like he said, I mean, if our cultures are out there, I, I think we're doing something good and, uh, we need to keep pushing that. And, um, you know, it's, uh, we, we, like we come here with nothing basically. And I feel like we have a lot of opportunities to actually do something. And like she's saying, we can do them by, uh, just, uh, helping somebody else or, 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 or finding our uh, like community to to express what we need to do as a as a community now and lo que lo que pasa cuando cuando venimos al país nos sentimos un poquito rechazados y es y es normal pero para salir adelante tenemos que buscar la forma de 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 hacerlo y yo creo que este trabajar duro es una de ellas y encontrar la forma de de salir adelante yo creo que uh, nos ayuda, nos ayuda a hacer este, a ser las personas que, que, que somos, ¿me entiendes? Um. Sí, pienso yo que lo, lo que me da gusto a mí como, como inmigrante, más que nada, DACA, es que los que yo conozco, que la mayoría han recibido ese programa, sí se la están rifando. O sea, sí están haciendo algo que te, que, que tienen que hacer con lo que le, lo poco que les han dado. Y, y para mí es como que me motiva porque veo 
a, a mi amiga Stephanie, ella, Stephanie Victoria Vázquez, if you're listening to this, shout, shout out to shout you. Out. Porque veo yo, veo yo a gente como ella que, que, que es la, uni, la única en su familia, igual que mi hermano y yo, que no tenemos nuestra residencia. Y, y, y la veo que con gusto se la está rifando, con gusto está viviendo la vida. ¿Por qué? Porque el rato que le llegue, la va a disfrutar como nunca antes. Y, y para mí es, es algo que, que yo los vi desde, desde chicos y muchos dicen que no, pues que porque tú fuiste a la universidad, muchos vieron eso y muchos quisieron terminar la escuela. Y para mí fue, no, o sea, yo lo quería hacer porque yo tenía que poner mi nombre en un papel y, y mejorar mi situación. Pero yo nunca, mi afán nunca fue para, para creerme. Más fue por, si, si algo que quiero que, que, que la, se quede la gente es que se motive con lo que he hecho. Uh -huh. Y tal vez por eso lo que, cuando hablo yo con varios que son DACA, que, que crecieron conmigo, me dicen que se motivaron un poco por lo que hice, hice yo. Uh -huh. Porque yo fui, creo que el único de mi iglesia. Yo y creo que una, una chava que se llama Karina. En nuestro tiempo, los, unos, los primeros dos que éramos inmigrantes sin papeles, que nos agarramos nuestros, que nuestro diploma de universidad. Y no lo hago por creerme, porque, uh, sé más que ustedes, pero eso cambia bastante. O sea, un, un diploma va a cambiar cómo piensas, cómo vives, cómo puede mejorar tu situación. Te abre la mente. Te abre la mente en sí. bastante. Y también te ayuda a, a poder, con lo que sabes, cómo usarlos en la, en la comunidad. Um, And, and like for me, it's one of those things like I, I do feel like we are reshaping the Latino culture in America mm -hmm. because we're little by little, yes, with our own roots and backgrounds, strong roots and backgrounds, we're continuing to to become more of a like what the nation wants to see from the American, like from Hispanic culture. Like you see more kids getting the diploma, high school diploma, more kids, more, you know, getting a college degree mm -hmm. or getting their certificate. You see more people with their last name, Hispanic last name as managers in, in restaurants or in, in different companies. And back in the days, it was like super hard, you know, to get, to be a manager in a place with a Hispanic name. And I was like, like we're, we're taking advantage of that. Yeah. And I, I, if there's anything like, you know, we just have to continue to grind, mm -hmm. continue to hustle, like, Be patient, like anyone that, you know, listening, like if you have a plan, you want to do it, go for it, but be patient, you know, learn, like trust your process. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I, I was even thinking about it today, because I think I was watching a, a, a video somewhere, either Instagram or TikTok, but I, I was just so proud of some of the things that a lot of the kids that are, um, you know, are graduating, are doing, um, that they're draping, uh, their flag, right? Like, honestly, like that just like makes me just want to cry because we never had, I, I felt that I never had that, uh, opportunity to do so because we always felt that we had to be quiet about who we were, right? Like that we were children to immigrant parents. We were not because we were ashamed or maybe because we were, but because like it could mess up our, our parents' status, right? If we knew that our parents were immigrants. So, but these kids are representing, man, like they're out there wearing, their uh you know mexican flags or salvadorian flags um around when they graduate and you know they're just they're just being the representation that i wish that you know i would have been uh when i was younger um 
And you did hit it, uh, you know, right on the head whenever, you know, you talk about uh, that person that has just been like hustling. And I have that same friend that, you know, I was talking to you about. And man, like when I first met him, um, he didn't, he wasn't, um, you know, he didn't have uh, his papers. Um, and That's the one with the ice cream? Uh, yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So, and like, honestly, like he's kicking ass, like he, That's he cool. makes me so proud. Um, I, I always say that he is like my brother from another mother. Right. And like he, um, I, I have seen him from where he came from, um, and what he's doing now. And I'm just like, I'm in awe about like that. He, he, he's just like a savage eating all these opportunities up. And sometimes I'm having a hard time trying to figure out like how to, to get where he is like what did he do right? right um to 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 get where he's at and i'm just sitting still and he's just killing it and um you know that is what um i think a lot of immigrants do whenever they get here they they come here and they are just savage and they are working and they work um to just provide better futures for themselves um and it's not somebody it's something that um anybody should try to um you know take away from somebody um and it's uh it's just beautiful i wish that if somebody had the opportunity to see what this individual has done with the little resources that he had i i don't see how you 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 wouldn't be in awe um and then just being a being grateful to have him uh in this country and being grateful to have him on on your team right yeah and it's gonna You know, it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you sleep. You know, you're going to be tired sometimes, but f follow that dream. Like, go for it. You know, like... like you're already you're, here. You're already yeah. here. Yeah, like, yeah. you get started and don't go back. Like, mm -hmm. like for me, like, if you start school, like, even if you take one class, take one class, you know, but yeah. make sure you make, like, you have your mind always wanting to crave for more information. Because, like, that's why when you see people that, you know, get your bachelor's, they're going to want to do something else besides, you know, like, or, or like an associate's or certificate. Certificate. They're going to want to do more things. Yeah. Because that keeps you, like, gives you that, oh, man, I want to do something more than just this. Yeah. And what I've seen, like, in white people is, like, how many degrees some people have, like, three, four, you know, like, and I'm not saying, like, oh, man, they're better than us. Yeah. But it's just the, 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 the principle of having one your name under a completion, like a, completing the program, mm -hmm. how valuable, sorry, that is to when you want to do something, now you know you can do it mm -hmm. because you already did the, the other one. Yeah. So the next one will be easier yeah. and the next one will be easier. And like say, um, at, in, in mid-July, mid we're going to have a guest. She's Alma Elma Enriquez. Mm -hmm. Um, no, no, Alma Marina. Sorry, Alma. Sorry. <laughs> uh, she, uh, she got, she's working on her master's degree as a, right now she's married, but she, she has four kids and she pretty much was able to get her kids as a single mom and they are in college and they are playing baseball mm -hmm. or, you know, in a sport in every place, like they're getting drafted. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, that's cool. You know, like I want, I want to hear their story, you know, how hard it could have been. Yeah. You probably gave up. You probably thought about giving up, you know, and then she's also singing in the church too. Um, so people like that, like, like for me is like, I'm more like, I, like my, my thing is when I hear people's stories and what they're doing, like I get motivated to keep doing it, you know, yeah. or even like working out. Like sometimes I see someone like working out like at six in the morning and like, Hey, I'm going to do that. But like at midnight. Yeah. 
but just that aspect of like doing something like anything do it like get up and you know get out of the couch whenever you feel like you're in a situation where i don't know what to do do something that helps you be beneficial. Yeah. And if I think that if we put ourselves, you know, out there and if we, you know, highlight all of these people like I'm doing, like you're doing, then, you know, the generation that's going to come up behind us or is going to see all that representation. And that's essentially what white people have, right? They have all the representation in the world and they're easy. They're easily like, oh, I can do that because all my other peers are doing it. Whereas we for a long time didn't have that, right? We didn't see that, oh, so-and-so is in politics. Politics, so we we need to be that we can be there too, right? It was always like, oh well, we don't see anybody in those spaces, so you know, there's there's probably impossible for us to get there. Where they've seen that all of their lives, and it's just so easy; it comes to second nature. Hopefully, we get to a space where we are in all of these spaces that it's going to be second nature for our children to mm-hmm. say, you know what? Yeah, well, I can do that. Like, I just need to go to school; it's no big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's the space that we're we're trying to create, and I'm hopeful that we're going to get there, and you know that that uh, we're going to have that um, available to us as well. I mean, how a good example of that, you know, in the Beats house, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, Ryan. Um, well, I have a, a stepson mm. and um, he's uh, basically making his own beats because he likes to trap. Yeah. And he's like, like trap for real. Trap. Yeah, he's trap <laughs> like, for real. Like Hood H-Town? Oh, no, like, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah hot, Third Coast. Hot lyrics. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's writing his own lyrics. He's making his own beats. Um, he wanted to start recording uh, in the closet. Yeah. He had me remove all his clothes and take stuff from the closet yeah. so he can have like a tiny space with no sound, yeah, like yeah. soundproofed or whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's, if, if you have, if you want to do something and you have what it takes, go for it because mm-hmm. you're going to be able to do it. Yeah. And and like for us, for us immigrants, we already have it hard. You know, it's we have to work double uh-huh. to actually get what we want. Yeah. And it, when you when you get it done, it feels amazing. Like you said, it's yeah. it's uh, it's the, the greatest feeling that you can feel because it's so hard for us to get something done. And then, then you do it. That's it's para lo que trabaja yeah. la persona. And then why, you know, you see like your, you know, your stepson here, you know, and you want to foster that, right? right? Because right. you wanted that same uh, fostering for yourself and what you were doing. Um, and I think that that is uh, some of the things that we definitely need to work on is seeing all of the things that... We- came easy to us or came hard to us, right? And how can we convert that to then make it easy for somebody else? So, so he has a dream, like, you know, my dreams probably weren't realized because I was pooped on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. it probably wasn't uh, something that my mother understood very well, right? But um, we need to change that mindset so then we can go ahead and educate others that, you know, anything is possible, that, you know, everybody, anybody can do it if you just have the ganas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like my niece Emma she can sing and she remembers a song you about hear one or two times she can sing it and then she can dance like right then I don't even <laughs> nobody in my family ever could do a dance like that yeah. and or like my, my nephew Ethan he's a very good guitar player and a very good soccer player but he can play like guitar like yeah like he's he's already been asked like in a, to go play in a church band yeah. and he's only 13 yeah. so and they're like yeah a lot of this from like you know from the example of like you guys doing something you know and yeah, I mean, our job is just to continue to, to make the right decisions. Like I, I got, for, for me, it was like, I got tired of seeing people doing a car wash for, for like, for me, it's like, you refer to be tired of doing so many good things, mm-hmm. tired of going on vacation, tired of, 
of you know like doing so many things or like you have to oh man that's my schedule ah, overbooked or underbooked or whatnot you rather have that feeling or the feeling of like man i have to go do a car wash because my friend is in jail we need to get him out mm-hmm. or one of our friends was shot in the hood and we need to go you know raise money for the funeral mm-hmm. or or medical expenses so it's like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm blessed that our generation is, is changing that mm-hmm. because I did see that in California, like, mm-hmm. especially in the Cholos. When I used to, we used to sell elotes, I will see, mm-hmm. you know, Cholos doing car wash for one of their homies that was shot and he's in jail or, you know, whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that I'm so glad we're diverting from that because we're learning from our opportunities mm-hmm. and like now going frag from, from the part of resources, you know, we have, Allies and like as immigrants. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It was a ranch water. <laughs> Not like say, like the reason why I wanted to talk about allies is because we do have allies. Like say we, we have white people that are allies. We have Asian people that are allies. Like personally, like for me, this place right here is for my boss, you know, who every time I have an idea, he's like, yeah, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's see what you have. And, and like, I'm blessed, like I have this job because when, whenever I told them, I'm like, Hey, you know, cause how we started recording here, like I, I was like, Hey, you know, like our, our cleaning lady, she's going to be out for a couple of months or a couple of weeks cause a surgery, I'll clean up the office, but I need a place to record. He's like, don't worry about that. Yeah. Like just record there. Just clean up. You know, I know yeah. you guys are going to, he's like, I know you guys are going to like drink. Just don't worry about that. And like, all right, cool. But for me, it's like. Like having someone that, you know, like he, you work for, like mm-hmm. to have the extra step or allow you to use his like place that, mm-hmm. you, you know, to record is like, that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And and we have to, you know, also understand that there's people that really support us too. Like mm-hmm. not every white person is racist. Right. Like there's so many, so many, you know, like for me, so many white people in specific that do support us, that do want us to strive. They do want us to, to, to make it maybe sometimes they don't know how to communicate it maybe sometimes they don't know the stories or mm-hmm. once they know the story they're like oh man i want to be able to help them like they were yeah. saying like even for conservative people they all said like oh man mexicans or or you know hispanics go back to your country mm-hmm. but don't take my jose yeah he's cutting my yard don't yeah. take my maria he's yeah. she's cleaning my house yeah so it's like like, like whenever I hear that part of, of allies is for me, it's important because we have to, us doing something subconsciously is like embracing it to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like one of my coworkers, when DACA was passed, like last year and it, you know, it defeated in Trump's uh, administration and Supreme Court. She sent me a text like right after the decision was made. And I didn't know it was going to happen that morning. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, and I was just like. I was like, I didn't have my coffee. And I'm like, what, 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 hold on, let me have a cup of coffee. And then after that, like, oh crap, we did. But like them seeing our hard work is like, they appreciate that as much as we do. And like, what do you think like in that aspect? You know, I will, I still struggle with that. Um, I, I have, um, I do see that there are some allies, but I'm still very cautious because I've seen something like what happened at January 6th and just some of the things that happened that I was in shock, right? Um, and I am still very cautious. I think that whenever I, I see people, I'm very, um, I, I think that 
what happened, uh, you know, last year and, you know, the four years before that, um, I've been kind of traumatized about it. Right. I was just like, holy crap. Like there's 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 people out there. Right. Because I think for the most part, I knew that those people existed, but they were in the shadows and they were being cowards. Right. And not showing who they were. But this individual allowed them to come out and really be seen. Um, And I was like, wow, like there's some there's some really deeply rooted people um that uh are really not wanting us here um and i took offense to that um i still do um and if there's you know any allies out there uh i probably i'm just still reserved um i don't uh and i'm having i'm just still having a hard time trying to digest all of that stuff um i don't think that i think that when i started this podcast i was really just mad about the situation and i was really trying to create um some of that um what was happening internally and trying to turn it into good and trying to shift it. And I know that when I started, I said, you know, I want to change America's minds. And then midway, I said, fuck it. Right. No, we're not going to do this. We're getting monetized. And now it's, it's back to a penny. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I just said, you know, screw it. Like I'm not going to like, Try to cater to them. I'm not going to yeah. try. I'm tired of teaching. I'm tired of teaching people that this is just not the way you t- treat people. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it was just like a shift for me. And I'm just like, I am just going to keep promoting these stories. I'm going to keep doing it for our gente and I'm going to do it for us. And I'm going to, you know, do it just because, you know, of who we are and we deserve this and not to try to get them anything like they already have everything mm-hmm. um I, I don't think it's my responsibility to keep preaching to people that um you should treat people a certain way right so um definitely um you know if you're out there and you're all like awesome cool good job uh for not being racist but honestly like it's just like it's just so so daunting sometimes when you're really having to have these conversations and um uh treat you know, try to figure, tell people that this is not um, how it should be. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Chapo? Well, you know what? I feel the same way with her, like, like, like she's saying, because um, my boss is white too, you know, and he's like the coolest guy, white guy, like, especially with me, because, you know, I do my work, I do everything good, so he doesn't have any complaints about me, right? But then I, I'm always, I'm always like, hesitant like all right you're cool with me but just let's just keep it like that because i don't i don't trust i don't trust it Mm -hmm. so it's like like she said um i mean if there's allies for us good i appreciate it but i still we're good people i I don't i shouldn't have to like tell the other um races you know uh how i am how i really i am and Mm -hmm. and just look at me and just look the way I act, like the way I am. I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you in any way. I'm not going to steal your job. I'm not going to do any of that. Mm-hmm. If I anything, mean, we should be scared of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, then that's the thing too, though. I've, I always felt like, you know, less than them every time I would go to school because I couldn't say anything, you know, to them or whatever. But they could say things to me that I didn't understand. So it's like, I, I, really, I, I, I just don't have anything to teach him just look at me see the way i am and if you think i'm a bad person okay and if you're not if you don't think i'm a bad person cool you know but yeah i I, I teach i don't think teaching is gonna really fix anything because there's been a lot of things happening and there's a lot of good people out there 
but there's there's no way of of uh explaining some something to a racist people i feel like mm-hmm. there's no way for me in my in my opinion yeah like like say like for me as whenever like hispanics we always had because of the uh colonization of spain and in, in, in north america we always had this inferior mentality like we all felt like we were below even even the games we played against spain we played yeah. against germany we we're already we're already going we're there losing, losing you know yeah. and and the one thing that, that that pissed me off every time i see that I'm like dude why in the hell would you keep saying we're gonna lose and even old guys like like there's this channels that oh you have to really pretty much say we're gonna lose to cause controversy and then, like for me, it's like like for, it was it was like when I when I came to Hyperware, for example, I was I was the only like Hispanic here, and we had Adelso too, um, and it was like it was it it kind of took me out of my comfort zone because I was always surrounded by Hispanics. I was always I was always surrounded by diversity, but never in a place where like I was the only 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 um like Hispanic in a in an office in a workplace, but. I guess what what one thing that I took and and we learned from each other is is the communication is like super important, you know. Like they got to learn stuff for me that like, oh wow. I like I never I never thought of that or 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 wow, like I, I never I never like you know like like personally like seeing your experience as an immigrant it was like so appreciative for my coworkers, like so appreciative. And even to this day, we talk about stuff. And and whenever they see me ranting, because you've seen me rant yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. Like last mm-hmm. year, I was ranting like twenty four seven. Like so oh, I called Trump racist, and and like, a lot of your friends too. I saw you, you were you know talking about them. And oh yeah, I called people yeah. out. Like I didn't care. I called Hispanics that were like voting for Trump. I called them out. And and the one thing that that I always got from my my coworkers, my people that are close to me, because for me, they're my people. They were like, the support, the support. Like, I get texts, like, sometimes in the middle of the night, you know what? I feel you. I know what's going on. Like, I've never been in a situation, but you just know that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, super genuine for someone that shouldn't have to say that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it was, like, and that kind of helped, like, open up a lot of my mind towards people, because I used to have that thing of not trusting anyone mm-hmm. or not, I don't trust them. And even, and, and once I got like this, I got to know this group of people. It was like, oh man, like, you know, there's that love, but the love comes when you do something right. Mm-hmm. The love comes whenever, you know, you as a Hispanic, you do your shit. Mm-hmm. And then people are going to see that and they're going to appreciate that more because mm-hmm. they're going to know your story. Mm-hmm. And that's how we teach them mm-hmm. because yeah, maybe maybe not by words or by a book or you know by history because history already happened, but it's what you're doing at this moment. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's always been super important because yeah. that what you do personally, like in front of them, mm-hmm. matters a lot more yeah. than one than what any news coverage would say, you know, about a certain certain race. And even like in my wife's family, you know, it, it Vietnamese like it is one of those things like. They, 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 they see me, they, they see what's going on, like with my situation. They're like, oh man, like one day Richie is going to come. One day it's going to come. And I know it's going to come. Like my green card is going to come one day. Like Uncle Biden. Uncle Biden. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. 
Yeah, they are. Uh, so, and it's one of those things that, like, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't, I think we, we should, we should um, continue to appreciate that aspect because it's important too, because we, we, you know, we, we have to, I would say, learn how to, to go against the current. Mm -hmm. Like, once we do that, then things will be better for our culture as well. Yeah. Then we will, once we learn how to, to like swim against the current, then things are going to be like, we know how to get out of that comfort zone, you know, because this is just the beginning. I mean, one day we're going to be more like the majority in this country. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, and the reason why I'm saying this is because whenever we see other people that are the minority, Mm -hmm. we tend to look down on them as well. Mm -hmm. Like we're like our our our, our um, culture is super xenophobic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we look at it like in Mexico with the caravan, yeah. how they were treating all the immigrants that yeah. were you know trying to like all the Mexicans were just like, hey, no, it's my country, go back. And I'm like, no, we're just as you know messed up as you know what other racist people in America has been towards us. Why not change that? When someone comes, at least show them some love, you know, like. But but it's like like in every culture, you know. There's right. bad and, and and good, you know, and 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 it's it's on you. Like the the better person that you can be, uh, it's just gonna help uh, other people see the the good of, of of a country you have, the good of a people you are, the good of your your people is, you know. Yeah. And 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 it begins with you. I think that. Um, for that, for that to change it it's it, it, it starts with you and and you gotta preach that you know not just talk preach yeah. it you know you gotta put action to yeah it. exactly like you gotta put action to everything you preach mm-hmm. okay. absolutely but yeah um, Vanessa I do have one question yes with all the information mm-hmm. that people share with you mm-hmm. how do you stay sane oh my god um, you know, I feel that immigration is just uh, one of those topics that, you know, some people just don't want to listen to, right? Don't want to hear it. It is uh, hard sometimes. It definitely comes with a lot of trauma. Um, and sometimes it is daunting. I'll sit, you know, sad in those episodes and I have cried uh, hearing these stories. Um, when I edit, I, I cry again. And then when I hear it again on the radio, I cry again, right? So it's just, but um, I think that 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 is the best part, right? About feeling these stories and understanding them. Um, and I, I, I stay sane by remembering why I'm doing this, right? Remembering that these stories are important for us. They're important for our, to our mothers and they're important for our future generations and everybody that is surrounding us in our community. Um, and that's what I guess keeps me going, keeps me saying sometimes, I mean, you guys know it's hard. I mean, if you're editing your podcast and you don't have an editor doing it for you, it's hard, <laughs> man. Um, and I only do it bi-weekly, right? Because I, I have a full-time job. Like, I don't have time to be doing all this stuff. So um, sometimes it does get uh, a, to be a lot. But, I mean, I think that's what keeps me going whenever I get, um, you know, a, a message or a DM telling me, hey, like, I want to tell me, I want to tell you my story. I want to tell my mom's story. And I'm just like, yes, okay. Just when I think that nobody else wants to, I always have somebody that does. And um, that's what keeps me going and keeps me just wanting to continue I'm doing so yeah because one thing that like I noticed is you bring like someone that's has a you know regular day you know life experience you're not trying to get like those big 
names. Mm. You bring someone that some, you know, someone never heard of. Mm. And there are stories I'm like, oh, dang. Like, sometimes I, I, I listen to them like, oh, damn. Yeah, some hard. Like, and one of them was just like, all right, I'm not going to cry. Like, <laughs> one of them was just like, I was about to close to cry, but like, no, I'm not going to cry. But like, it, it's good, you know, like, I know all those stories like can bring, sometimes can be, can bring a little like, yeah, like, Use the cope after with the aftermath when you hear it, it's like, oh man, that's what yeah. Like, I forgot that I went through that, right? And I think that every story is even different in my case, too, because um, I feel like maybe I didn't remember that I felt a certain way, and then somebody brings it up, and then I'm like, oh yeah, my god, yes, I thought I that was just mm -hmm. me, right? But you experienced that same thing, and it's just like, and that's what's the best part about all of this the fact that I'm able to relate, and hopefully, I'll be able to, somebody else will be able to relate and just know that. That you're not alone in this struggle, right? Uh, us as children to immigrant parents, uh, immigrants ourselves, you know, children that are immigrants, like, I mean, we're all going through some stuff and there are people out there like us that are going through the exact same thing. Um, but that's what makes this, uh, you know, journey uh, so much better because we are all in this together. And, you know, hopefully that we'll be able to cohesively, you know, understand that and just um, allow us the opportunity to, to, you, to just know that um, we're kind of the same and, and we're going through this together. So, you know, that's all I'm trying to do here. So I'm excited about it. Hija de tu madre. Yes. 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 Just don't add the, the, <laughs> no, no. the word in between because that's another, another, another different podcast. That's another trauma. Yeah, that's, that will be another bad topic to talk about. <laughs> right, right. Um, and anything you would like to share, Vanessa, uh, you know, anything that you feel like your, where, where would you like to take your podcast in the future? Where, you know, I'm not sure. I, I definitely take it as it goes. I mean, I have so many awesome guests, uh, including you guys coming on here pretty soon. And I'm just excited to not just share, you know, I, I I started off uh, telling these stories with just females and then you guys came on and wanted to tell me your story. So you're going to be the first hijos de tu madre. Hijos de tu madre. <laughs> yeah, my mom was saying that. <laughs> so like, I'm excited about that, right? Uh, that I'll, I'll get that opportunity. But, um, you know, I'm just uh, excited to to where this is taking me, the journey that uh, this uh, podcast has uh, allowed me the opportunity of what I wanted to do. But, you know, um, if anybody uh, wants to, you know, follow me, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Hija de Tu Madre Podcast. Um, and then uh, if you want to, you know, share your story with me, you can always DM me on Instagram. I'm more active on Instagram at Hija de Tu Madre Podcast. And uh, just shoot me, slide into my DMs and let me know that you want to um, be a part of uh, just telling the story of your mother. And I'll be happy to, to uh, you know, figure that out. Just have a, a box of tissues right next to yes, you. Please. Yes, please. Yes. And yeah, and then listen, obviously, listen to the podcast. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, another question I have for you. Yes. This is very important. Okay. What's your favorite Christian Nodal song? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if you've, like, seen my TikTok, but so I did the... Um, you have a TikTok? Uh, I do. Because the mother has a TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I only have I, three. Like, they're, like, just great. But, like, one of... It's uh, the... Uh, Botella tras botella. Like, oh my God, dude. I listened to that on repeat. <laughs> and um, I did it with my husband because I don't know if y'all seen the uh, Botella tras botella challenge where you take a video uh, of seeing you singing the song and then you, like you're, you tell your your significant other, like, hey, um, you know, listen to this song. It really reminds me of me. <laughs> and so they're listening. Wait, it reminds you of you? Yeah. So you'll you'll hear it, right? And then and it's like, oh man, this song reminds me of me. And then your, your significant other hears it and you're just like 
how are you mm-hmm. thinking about, right? Yeah. And so I play, I did that TikTok with my husband and my husband just says no snow Spanish. So I was like, well, they, and I was saying it. I was like, yes. And then I was like, babe, like you feeling it? You jealous? And he's like, no, what are you I'll talking about? Yeah, yeah, so that's it. You just need to watch it. But I'll shoot you over the, the, the original um, Botella Tras Botella uh, TikTok challenge. challenge so you can see it. So you can compare it. All right. Well, we'll for sure have to check it out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yes. Well, this concludes the 13th episode of Otra Por Favor. Otra Por Favor. The episode is already a teenager, man. It's getting rebellious. Mira la mía. Sí, ya está creciendo. Está creciendo poquito a poco. Muchas gracias, Vanessa, por estar con nosotros. Hija de tu madre. Acuérdense de seguirla a ella en sus redes sociales. Y no se olviden de seguirnos a nosotros y escucharnos en otraporfavor.com, en Instagram en Facebook estamos ahí otra por favor síganos escuchen nuestros episodios y algo que quieras decir para cerrar Ricky no que nos vamos a ir de vacaciones bueno este vato se va a ir de vacaciones ¿a dónde? me voy para los Cabo San Lucas este la, la próxima semana y este bueno no descansamos porque va a haber episodio ¿eh? bueno, bueno sí vamos a descansar porque este se va a estar con fecha <risa> eh, mientras mientras este episodio va a salir cuando este chavo aquí esté en un bote en Cabo San Lucas como Luis Miguel y Luis Miguel no sí ¿Cómo? vamos a Luis Miguel oh, son igual a Solemio We do have, we have a friend, Cesar Cesarín. Yeah. We call him Luis Miguel. We, we call, call him Sole, Sole Mio. Uh, wow. <laughs> I would say he should have been yeah. casted in the, one of the series for sure. He has that look. He's a very good looking That's guy. That's funny. So if you were single, I would like <laughs> you married so you can't. Sole Mio. So, and he has a girlfriend, so okay. Naomi will kill us. Yes. 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 We're kidding now. Don't not, take it personal. Not just that, but the, our girls now just started a new um, chat, like uh, a group chat with them. Yeah. And they... She's man, más que nosotros. Yeah. We were that's quiet right. today, and I see my my wife giggling. <laughs> it's like, that's that's why, like, you know what? I need something controversial. Yeah. One of us, we have to sacrifice somebody. Ernie, exactly. it was yeah. you today. <laughs> so, but all right. Awesome. Um, thank you guys for listening. Vanessa, thank once you, again, you. thank you for being here. Uh, yeah, uh, this will be released on Thursday, the July 8th. And like we've said in the past, follow us on Otra Por Favor. Com, on Instagram, otra por favor, and Facebook as well. You know, let us know what you think and take care. Chao, Adiós. Chao. Bye. Pórtense bien. Adiós. Y Bye. Bye.